Presents Football Time. Hey, hey, welcome to the Football Time Podcast. We're here with our man, Achilles Rain. We're going to do week 17 of the NFL recap and review, and what a week it was. Lots of playoffs dashed, lots of playoff hopes rewarded, including our man, Achilles Rain. He's a happy Achilles reign today, sort of. Uh, it, they're in the playoffs. How is our man Achilles reign today? Uh, well, let's, let's let's just say we're in the playoffs. I don't know how happy I am about it. Uh, ultimately, uh, it, it was kind of hard. There was so much that had to go wrong for them to get knocked out of the playoffs. But I just don't see how far we're going to go. We'll get into it later. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's get into our... This made headlines. Our headlines for the NFL. It was Black Monday. We got some coaches fired. Uh, A couple that I thought were going to be fired did not end up getting fired. But uh, the big names, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars fired their head coach. Adam Gase is out for the Jets. And Anthony Glenn is out. For the Los Angeles Chargers. So three gone. Plus we start in the NFL because Justin Herbert, everybody's favorite Oregon Duck quarterback from last. Oh, nice. Pop-up ads. (laughs) Breaking into our podcast. Yeah, that was a free plug and someone just got some free airtime. Yes, I know. Some free airtime. We're we're dragging now as uh, this is my fourth podcast of the day to record. So. (laughs) How are you still standing? Yes, I know. All right. So those three coaches went down. Somehow Doug Peterson still has a job. Uh, Somehow the Denver Broncos uh, coach still has a job. What would you make of these three firings? I think they all three were definitely expected. Uh, Kingsbury still has a job too. So uh, what did you make of this so far? Yeah, I mean, definitely warranted. I know that some of them probably... I don't want to say come off as a surprise, but I mean, if you had to put it on a scale, uh, there's definitely some that are a lot more surprising than others. Uh, some that we probably thought would happen and didn't happen, but ultimately um, I think we saw this coming uh, to me. The biggest shocker is probably some of the guys that are still uh, on the team, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I think that's probably my biggest shocker. I, I think we all knew uh, those three guys, uh, Marone, Gase and uh, Lynn were all going to be out um, probably at the start of the year. Uh, two of those teams were obviously uh, tanking the season, and uh, Anthony Lynn had essentially been on the hot seat uh, since he got the job. So what did you make of, let's start with the Eagles. We'll get to that game and uh, that disgrace uh, later. But uh, what did you make of Doug Peterson uh, keeping his job? I don't know. I mean, it's a little confusing because uh, early on the season, I thought that you probably would give him, you know, another shot. And I said that, I don't know, probably about three or four weeks into the season. But as the season progressed and you just saw no improvement, um, I was a little more on the side of, okay, it's it's time for a change. I think that probably his saving grace was the fact that he put uh, Hertz in and it almost, you know, just by perception, it made the team better because we talked about it. It really didn't. Uh, they ended up winning one game, I think. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah, so just by perception alone, I think it made the team feel like they were playing better, performing better. But I think that's really what saved this job, to be honest with you. Uh, now he's got a whole other headache to deal with, uh, which is what do you do with the quarterback position? Because I think that there's it's definitely more of a question mark now um, as opposed to prior Hertz uh, and his play. Well, uh, that and uh, Doug's odd decision to pull Hertz. Uh, I, I know he wasn't great, but uh, uh, when we're dropping to Nate Sudfeld, uh, no disrespect to Nate, uh, he was a fine quarterback in Indiana that sort of started the trend at Indiana to being good. But uh, 
I'm not sure uh, you're going to win a lot of football games with Nate Sudfeld as your NFL quarterback. Uh, when we're benching a Hurts to go to him, um, I don't know. I, I think uh, we've lost it as a coach, uh, needless to say. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different, you know, scenarios that come into mind right now. Uh, but I think once you made the move from Wentz to Hurts, and like you said, he wasn't playing great, although the first half I thought he was doing a pretty okay job. Uh, I thought he was doing enough, especially against, you know, a divisional opponent. But that second half wasn't his best. Um, and to make the switch, I, I think almost would raise more question marks for me um, as to what the coach is thinking. If you're benching your franchise quarterback for, you know, this guy who had potential, and then he doesn't play well, so you bench him for, you know, your third stringer. What what does that really say about your decision making? I just, to me, it's a little shocking that he's still there. To be honest yeah. with you, uh, essentially, you have nowhere to go with Wentz because of the cap hit. You wasted a draft pick in the second round uh, last year on Hertz, and now you make it even more complicated by going to your third string quarterback. It just a weird move. Uh, I think that team is definitely on the downside. We'll get to that game. Uh, the other one that surprised me, and they said last week they weren't going to fire him, was Vic Fangio at Denver. Um, they haven't been good. Now, uh, Denver has gone through coaches uh, quite quickly, so maybe that has something to do with keeping him around. But uh, I, I just don't see a future of winning with Vic Fangio. And I, I think this Denver team is a quarterback away from being a contender. Well, I mean, I think that's the thinking that if you're only one player away, then the coach isn't really the issue at this point. If, and I'm sure the consensus out there would be the same thing that they're probably one, you know, good quarterback away from at least contending for a playoff spot or a wild card spot or whatever it may be. So I think that it goes hand in hand. If that's all you're missing, then you can't really blame the coach for the performance and you kind of keep him on. Uh, it keeps a little continuity going on. I think, you know, it's really big in the NFL uh, to have, you know, some sort of familiarity with, uh, with coaching staffs and things like that. It builds, I, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but I, I think that it builds a, a solid foundation to have a little continuity when it comes to the front office and head coaching staff. Yeah. Uh, I guess you're with John Elway and uh, keeping Vic around. I, I guess I could see your point there. Uh, the one I'm really interested in is uh, Kingsbury here. Uh, I just don't like that decision making. I, I, you know, you could easily make the case that team should have lost eight games in a row to close the season. They barely hung on on that Eagles game. They got that Hail Mary in that Buffalo game. Uh, those are two wins that they got that uh, are very close to being losses and just, you know, sort of lucky football that they got those wins. Uh it just seems like Kingsbury doesn't have it as a coach. Uh, this isn't just NFL. This is going back to college. Uh, this man made one bowl game with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback in college football. Uh, to get to a bowl game, you have to win six games. In college football, with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, he made one bowl game in three years there with him. I just, I'm not seeing it with him. And uh, somehow he keeps failing up. He's on the uh, Lane Kiffin train of never being successful, but uh, somehow keeps getting jobs. So uh, what do you make of uh, Cliff there in Arizona? You know, the thing about that position uh, for the head coaching position in Arizona is when you have a wide receiver like Hopkins and you have a stud young quarterback with a lot of potential in Murray, you know, you're going to win some games just based off the talent you have, you know, at the skill position, the defense, they've, they've got some, some good guys like Buda Baker and, you know, and, but ultimately I, I think that the way he started off the season is what saved his job. Um, now I did say it early on. I thought that the team was a little bit overrated. Uh, I thought that they weren't quite ready yet, but you know, We've seen it a lot. There's coaches that are really good college coaches and have no success in the NFL and vice versa. We've seen really good NFL coaches that just can't cut it out and, you know, in, in college. So 
it's just going to be, you know, maybe he's just. What about ones who are bad college coaches? What What is their record in the NFL? Uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's, I guess I got to give him the benefit of the doubt because of what they're putting together. I know that he had a lot of issues with, uh, you know, uh, game plan and, and clock management throughout the season. Uh, but I, like I said, you have a young quarterback and he probably vouches for his coach. He probably likes him. He seems to be a player type coach. Um, and a lot of times coaches like that will get defended by the star, play, star players on the team. And you know that a lot of times some of these players pull a lot of weight when it comes to decisions that are made, uh, especially in the front office and the head coaching and assistance and all that. So maybe that plays a little bit into it, but yeah, a little shocking for me. I thought that they definitely ended the season uh, on a down note and he probably should have been let go of, but I don't know what's going on in the background. I don't know. You're, you seem like the patient GM. I seem like the uh, fiery GM who uh, cans everybody and keeps my job. <laughs> Listen, maybe this has to do with the fact that uh, you know, I've been a Rams fan basically my whole life. And even when they were in St. Louis, we went through so many head coaches. And at some point it almost felt like, listen, I don't care how bad of a season we have. Keep somebody here, let them give them a chance to actually build up what, you know, what the vision that they see. And I think that's probably what's going on in Arizona. They're probably just letting this vision come into fruition and uh, maybe it pays off. Maybe it doesn't, but so far, they definitely have a lot of attractive players on there. Uh, they just need to get over that hump. Yeah, uh, I can see it. Uh, I just, I don't think I'm all that fiery, but uh, the Eagles situation just looks bad uh, all over. And uh, I can understand your Denver situation. I, I don't know if I would have fired him. I just don't know if that guy's a great coach. But, uh, you know, uh, the Arizona situation, I'm just like, he wasn't good in college. He had a loaded team in college and couldn't win games there. He comes to the NFL, and he's struggling to win games. And he has uh, what on paper, if you looked on that team on paper, and I gave you the Cardinals roster and the Bears roster, I think you'd be like, why is this team in the playoffs, and why isn't this team in the playoffs? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I they, they probably do have the type of players to – if you, you know, play games on paper to make the playoffs. And I think a lot of people had to make in the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, maybe it is the coaching, but they're going to give it one more try, I guess. I, I mean, I, if they have another season like they did this season, I don't foresee him being there another year. Yeah, I think that maybe one more year. All right. You ready to recap some of these games? Yeah, let's do this. All right. We'll get through uh, some of these uh, worthless ones uh, pretty quickly. Uh Speaking of worthless games, New York Jets 14, New England Patriots uh, 28, uh, Sam Darnold 23 of 34, 266, one touchdown, two interceptions. This uh, might be his last game in New York. Uh, Ty Johnson, 11 carries for 45 yards. Bashad Perryman, three catches, 84 yards. Uh, Kit Newton almost looked like a real quarterback uh, this week. Uh, 21 for 32, 42, three touchdowns, uh, 11 for 79, and uh, one catch for a touchdown as well on a fun little play there. So uh, Cam Newton uh, finally had himself a big game. Uh, week uh, one and week 17, Cam Newton looked like the old Cam. Uh, in between, uh, a little poor. But uh, uh, what do you have to break down this game other than uh, it was played for no reason whatsoever? Well, you know, to say a little poor uh, between weeks two and, <laughs> and uh, 16, I think that's being kind. Uh, he had a pretty bad season. Uh, it was kind of nice, I'm sure, for Patriots fans to see him go out on a high note. Uh, he was a one-year signee, so... Well, we'll see question... if they say that if they bring him back next year based on this last game. <laughs> you know, he might have at least gotten himself another job, maybe even as a backup somewhere else. But I think his arm is pretty much done. So um, I think at this point, he probably serves better as a backup or a, a specific type of gadget player. Um, we just didn't see much from the season, you know. Now, it was kind of disappointing for the way it worked out for New England because they, they probably had higher hopes coming in. But, you know, we also have to take into account 
they had quite a few players that opted out of the regular season, you know, in the beginning of the year. So that played some, you know, some into it. They had a whole new dynamic with the team and the offense. So I'm sure that played into it as well. Now for the Jets, you know, what a way to blow it. They, they get rid of their coach. They had the, you know, they had basically uh, the best opportunity at getting that number one uh, draft and they blew it by winning games. And I thought at this point that they probably could win this last one since they had nothing to win or nothing to lose and gain. So they just, uh, it was a bad season for them overall. Yeah. Uh, well, there's already talk now of them trading back uh, with that too. So uh, I think that that's uh, bad draft decisions. Uh, New York Jets probably is a show for the summer. So uh, start prepping on that now. Yeah, I'm definitely taking notes now. So, <laughs> All right, uh, we'll get to the next game, uh, a game at the time which was meaningful, but uh, because Washington ended up winning, turned out to be meaningless. Uh, Cowboys 19, Giants 23, Andy Dalton 29 and 47, 243 and an interception. He had seven carries and 48 yards. Ezekiel Elliott kept his uh, pretty uh, poor season. That's a really expensive average running back uh, right now. 14 carries, 42 yards and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz, uh, seven carries, 70 yards. Um, Daniel Jones had a pretty nice game uh, to close out the year. 17 to 25, 229, two touchdowns, interception. Gallman 11 for 65. Sterling Shepard 8 for 112, one touchdown. At the time, a uh, good win by the Giants. Uh, put themselves in position to get into the playoffs. Granted, as a uh, six-win team, Washington took care of business, so they didn't get in the playoffs. But uh, what would you make of this game? I mean, I thought it was an overall entertaining game. If you're an NFC East fan, you know, there's definitely things on the line, which is kind of what the NFL was hoping for when they changed to this format of, you know, playing divisional opponents at the end of the year, which seriously, since they've done it, it's definitely come into play. So, you know, good move on their part. This game had some meaning because there was playoff implications. Now, didn't turn out the way any of them had hoped, but, the Giants came out and took care of business after having a, you know, a few poor weeks. Uh, they came out and they they handled the Cowboys. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought the Cowboys would win this game. Um, they looked pretty good to start off with, but overall, you know, their holes and and their weaknesses really came into play. And I think it saw uh, it was it showed itself pretty much throughout the game. Um, but overall, you know, with all the setbacks they had, all the injuries, I think it was, you know, kind of an okay season for them. You know, they kind of came back a little bit, started playing a little bit better towards the end. Um, I'm questioning the decision of keeping the coach, to be honest with you. Oh, uh, we should have brought I, up Mike McCarthy in there. Yeah. This, this is one of those situations that I thought uh, the coaching was a huge part of it. Cause even when they had their healthy star players, they weren't doing much. That defense was atrocious. Well, they and easily could have. They won that one game uh, with Atlanta with the spinning football. And uh, you take away that win and they were off to like an 0-4 start. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty bad basically all season long. Uh, like I said, they did get a little bit better at the end of the season. Maybe that's what saved, you know, McCarthy his job. But, you know, at the end of the day, this game ended up being meaningless because Washington took care of business. All right, uh, we'll move on to uh, really meaninglessness. Uh, Minnesota Vikings 37, Detroit Lions 35. Cousins uh, 405, three touchdowns. Madison 2195, touchdown. Jordan Jefferson kept a really good rookie year, 9133. Uh, Stafford 20 of 31, 293, three touchdowns. Interception. Adrian Peterson, uh, seven carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. DeAndre Swift, uh, 12 carries, 54 yards, a touchdown. Marvin Jones, 8-180, two touchdowns. Um, I guess good win by the Vikings. Uh, close the season 7-9. and nine. Uh, Probably a little disappointing overall. Uh, Lions do Lions stuff. Uh, what'd you make of this one? Exactly that. The Lions, you know, just basically kept the same identity they've had all season long, which is put up some meaningless stats and still find a way to lose the game. Uh, which is very unfortunate for Detroit Lions fans. You know, I, I, I do feel bad for them because it, it seemed pretty promising to start the season. Uh, it seemed like they had enough horsepower to contend with the Packers. And I personally thought they had more 
talent than the Bears do, but the Bears are in the playoffs and they're not. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about that. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that you're really excited for the playoffs to begin because, uh, and I mean, no offense to Vikings fans or Lions fans or, or Jets fans or any of the other teams that didn't make the playoffs, but I'm pretty sure you're happy because you won't have to read off all these uh, uh, not useless stats, but uh, pointless stats. Yeah, yeah, they're useless unless uh, numbers are in your contract to make bonuses. And uh, numbers are not in my contract to make bonuses, so I don't really care about you racking up meaningless yards and worthless games. The other thing is, uh, if you watch this game, um, there was a criminal, just a criminal roughing the passer call on Kirk Cousins that uh, allowed the Vikings to win this game. I, I know no one will care nor pay Little to no attention to it, but uh, that ref uh, better not be uh, refing playoff games because uh, that was atrocious. Yeah, I definitely don't want to see him in any of the games that are coming up because that was pretty bad. All right. Uh, this one was semi-meaningful. Uh, the Browns certainly thought they uh, won the Super Bowl, but uh, Pittsburgh 22, Cleveland 24, uh, Mason Rudolph 22 of 39, 315, two touchdowns, interception. James Conner, nine for 37. Chase Claypool, five for 101, and a touchdown. Baker Mayfield, 17 for 27, 196, one touchdown. Nick Chubb, 14 for 108, one touchdown. Uh, Higgins, two for 55. Landry, five for 51. Uh, Cleveland got the win, got into the playoffs, uh, barely, barely. they were a two-point conversion away from this being tied. I I understand the celebrating at the end, but it did seem a little much considering how really poorly they played, essentially versus Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad. Uh, that disturbed me a little bit, and uh, I don't know if they're long for the playoff world. Yeah, it's really interesting because a few weeks ago, we both started talking up the Cleveland Browns and how well they were playing. Now, a lot of it had to because their offense was really relying on the ground game, and they were probably one of the better rushing teams in the NFL, if not the best rushing team in the NFL. And it seems like over the last few weeks, they definitely strayed away from that identity and have gone to a let's put it all on Baker type of identity, which it's not the way you want to go if you want to win games, let alone playoff games. So I think that's definitely going to be their Achilles heel. I think they have to find a way to go back to what, you know, they, what was making them successful, uh, which is relying on that running game and then playing off of that, you know, with some play action and some rollouts and things like that. But yeah, I don't understand the celebration. I I mean, yes, you won and, you know, congratulations to Cleveland Browns fans. You know, I know that it was a pretty long drought since the last time they were in the playoffs. So it's exciting for them um, and for the team and, you know, the whole city and everything. I get all that, but essentially you played, like you said, against the backups for the Steelers. And you barely won. You, you needed you know, a two-point conversion stop or else you were going to end up losing this game and probably not in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's, you know, yes, you celebrate, you know, you're glad you're in the playoffs and you move on. You know, you shake your opponent's hand and you move on from there. You get ready, try to game plan and see if you can change, you know, what has gone wrong with this team lately. Because even though it's a win, I don't think it's the type of win that, Cleveland fans and even people that kind of been rooting for the Browns uh, this season. It's not what they expected. You know, they expect it better and they expect that what they've seen, you know, kind of midway through the season. And that's not what we're getting right now. So if this continues, they're probably going to be an early exit team, but uh, who knows? Maybe they're just saving it for the playoffs. So yeah, who knows? I could have done without Baker strutting around the field. Like he had done something when he had just been outplayed by Mason Rudolph, who is not exactly a, a, solid backup quarterback. Basically he was awful last year when he had to play. So uh, I don't know. Uh, Just uh, gave me a little bit of a eyebrow raise as maybe they're happy that they made the playoffs and uh, they will be fine uh, getting crushed and uh, going home next week. So interesting uh, game uh, nonetheless. All right, we'll move on to the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo Bills. Miami 26, Buffalo 56. Tua, 35 of 58, 361, touchdown and three interceptions. 
He had six carries for 28 yards. Salvian Ahmed, uh, six for 29. Gaskin, seven for 20 and a touchdown. Devontae Parker uh, came back uh, seven for 116. Uh, Miles Gaskin, four for 57. Uh, Josh Allen, 18 for 25, 224, three touchdowns and an interception. This was all in the first half. Um, Stephon Diggs, seven for 76. Uh, basically, Buffalo played their starters for the first half. Uh, lit Miami up, benched their guys, and uh, their backups seemed to light Miami up too. So uh, bad way for Miami in this season, but uh, actually I, I think overall it's a, a success for Miami. I don't think anybody thought they would be uh, a win away from uh, making the playoffs here. So uh, Buffalo continues to look good, and uh, if you told me who my favorite right now for the uh, playoffs uh, to come out of the AFC. I think I might lean a little towards Buffalo here, but uh, what'd you make of the game? What'd you make of the seasons by Miami here? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't fault you for taking Buffalo as your favorite in the AFC. They definitely have looked, uh, dare I say, completely overpowering. Uh, basically, you know, this letter, the second half of the season, you know, this first half, I think they kind of were trying to find their identity uh, and kind of, you know, getting all the new parts, you know, working in sync, which they really did towards the second half. Uh, they've been a powerhouse. And I think that Josh Allen definitely, you know, put himself in that elite quarterback category, or at least he's knocking on the door of it because his play has been stellar. Um, now for the Dolphins, I don't think it was a bad season. Uh, I didn't expect them to play as well as they did. They were only one victory away from making the playoffs, uh, which I think is a success. Uh, Tua didn't have the backup this this particular game. They didn't have no Fitzpatrick, so it was on his shoulders. And I think he handled it pretty well. I know that he had three turnovers, but he's a young guy. It was a big game, big moment, and I, I feel like he did okay. It's his first season, and I think that the future looks bright for Miami as a whole, uh, especially that defense if it continues to play the way it does. If they could you know, keep most of that team intact and maybe bring in some, few, uh, some new talents. I think that the future is bright for them. Um, but Buffalo, man, they, they look scary. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, we'll move on to, uh, well, this game was just a crime uh, against America. Uh, stat padding galore. Atlanta Falcons 27, Tampa Bay Bucks 44. Matt Ryan 29 of 44, 265, two touchdowns. Uh, Gurley 9 of 18. Brian Hill 9 of 94. Uh, Russell Gage 9 of 91. Ridley 8 of 52. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Tom Brady, 26-41, 399, four touchdowns, interception. He played the whole game for uh, some reason. Uh, Ronald Jones, 12-78, a touchdown. Antonio Brown uh, decided he wanted to uh, get contract clauses uh, hit, so he also played the whole game and stat-petted his way to 11 for 138, two touchdowns. Uh, they got Mike Evans his 1,000 yards. He also hurt his knee, so uh, good work there. Uh What'd you make of this game? Uh, I disliked everything about it, and uh, I'm never happy for somebody to get injured, but uh, this sort of a little bit of karma here. You want a stat pad, you want to run up your numbers. Uh, now you don't have your best receiver for uh, your playoff game next week. Yeah, I mean, I guess they should be thankful that they have, uh, you know, uh, Brown and, and Goodwin because losing Evans is huge, and... I don't know how serious the injury is. I don't know if you've heard any updates on it and how serious it might be. Well, it didn't look good. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think that uh, that game was on TV3 for me, uh, which means it was on the smaller screen. So I wasn't catching too much of it. There were a couple other games that I was a little more interested in. But, yeah, I was going to mention this game earlier when you mentioned that I'm not into the stat padding thing. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, and I'm sure we got one of those games coming up because it was just silly. I don't understand the purpose of playing all your guys the entire game, and now you lose your star wide receiver. Uh, like you said, I also don't, you know, celebrate when a guy goes down, regardless of who he plays for, um, you know, because they're still human beings at the end of the day. But, yeah, this almost feels like karma. You know, you go out there and you try to pat stats and try to get guys, you know, extra money, which – don't get me wrong, make as much money as you can, but really week 17 with nothing to play for, this is what you're going to do. Uh, to me, it's, it's almost 
I don't want to say they deserved it, but they kind of did. Yeah. Uh, this is this is in the summer when we uh, read stats about last year. Uh, we'll have all sorts of flashy stats for all these guys, and it just showed me that's what they care about. They, they don't care about winning playoff games. They don't care about the Super Bowl because they just want their numbers. They got their numbers. Bruce Arians looks like an offensive genius. I'm sure these last few four weeks, uh, Tampa Bay has moved up to like number three in offense uh, by uh, literally uh, running up score on a bunch of crappy teams because they played a bunch of crappy teams. And it is what it is. Uh, we'll see how far they make it in the playoffs uh, when uh, real pass rushers start uh, jumping on top of Brady uh, uh, this week, actually, because they play Washington. So um should be interesting. Okay, yeah. uh, we'll move on to the Ravens and the Bengals. This was a game for about 45 seconds. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 10-18, 113, three touchdowns, interception. Uh, Dobbins, 13 for 162 touchdowns. Jackson, 11 for 97. Um Boykin, uh, one for 43 and a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Allen, as uh, great as he was last week, uh, was not great this week. Uh, six of 21, 48 yards, two touchdowns. Um, uh, there's really no stats for the Bengals, so I'm not going to read them off. Uh, Baltimore uh, closed the season, uh, dominating uh, everybody for the last uh, four or five weeks here. I don't know if there's much to go into with this game, but uh, what do you make of Baltimore going into these playoffs? I think Baltimore has put itself back into that dangerous category. Definitely not a team that I want to play. You know, it seems like they've reverted back to their 2019-2020 offense, which basically was Lamar Jackson running all over the field, opening up, you know, passing lanes uh, because you got to bring, you know, the defense down to account for him running so it, it helps out the wide receivers. It helps out the running back. It helps out the tight ends. It helps out the offense as a whole. And they didn't really need to do much because this game, like you said, was pretty much decided early on. And, you know, not surprising because of the way they've been playing lately. But I think that they've definitely crossed back over into that uh, dangerous team t- uh, territory. So I don't want to see them in the playoffs uh, going up against my team, I think that they're going to be one of those teams that could very easily, uh, you know, upset certain teams. But, you know, a good season for them. Uh, could have been better. Overall, they made the playoffs, which is the goal now for the Bengals. Unfortunately, early on, they lost their star quarterback, their uh, franchise quarterback, which was, uh, you know, in itself, you know, really bad. But, I think that the future at least looks somewhat bright for them. You know, he definitely showed a lot of potential. Um, I think in my book, he was, he was the uh, rookie of the year until he got hurt. Uh, He was at least on pace to break all sorts of rookie records for quarterbacks. So, you know, maybe next season he comes back fully healthy and uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, Baltimore, man, watch out for Baltimore. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll go to our next game. Los Angeles Chargers, 38. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, 21. The Chiefs didn't play any of their starters. Herbert, 22 at 31, 302. Three touchdowns. Justin Jackson, 9 for 72. Kelly and Balazs, 13 for 36 and a touchdown. Eckler, 7 for 18. Mike Williams, uh, 6 for 108 and a touchdown. Uh, Chiefs, Chad Henney, uh, 23 for 32, 218, two touchdowns. Darwin Thompson, 14 for 45 and a touchdown. Uh, he also had 70 catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, not really anything meaningful about this game. Uh, Justin Herbert closes a pretty good rookie season, though. Yeah, I think that he was uh, probably one of those surprises this year. He came in early on that first game of the season where nobody expected him to start because of the whole doctor and punctured lung situation. But, yeah, really good season for him. I thought that he showed a lot of good things. And uh, if I was a Charger fan, I'd definitely be excited for what the future holds. Uh, but overall, pretty disappointing season. I thought that the coach might have done enough to save his job, but he didn't. They're going elsewhere now. Uh, but the Chiefs and Andy Reid, even with backups, you know, he puts together a good game plan and he seems to get his guys ready regardless of who's playing. So uh, watch out for the Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah. Um what job would be more appealing to you? Uh, this one uh, with Herbert already there 
or uh, Jacksonville, uh, where you know uh, Lawrence is coming in? I'd definitely be more excited about a Chargers job. And I know that Lawrence is, you know, the golden golden arm, golden child, whatever you want to call him. But I know what I have with Herbert. You know, he seems to be a, a stud for a young quarterback. You have some really good pieces at wide receiver. You have a solid, you know, player at running back. Uh, you do have some pretty good pieces at de- on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that you tweak some things. You tweak, you know, your your uh, your game plans, and uh, definitely with some better clock management, I think that that team is probably going to be a whole lot better than uh, a Jacksonville team, even with uh, you know their number one pick. Yeah, uh, I think I go a little bit Jacksonville way. Uh... Mostly just based on ownership. I, I think uh, the ownership uh, in Jacksonville with the cons, probably a little more stable. You have your own uh, building. Uh, I think just uh, that Chargers situation is a little weird. You're renting out your stadium. Uh, the owners are a little cheap. Uh, I, I Team-wise, uh, I get where you're coming from, where you know what you're getting with Herbert. You already have some defensive pieces there, but uh, I just would uh, trust uh, Jacksonville ownership a, a little more. Oh, yeah, definitely. As far as the ownership is concerned, uh, the Spanos aren't really known for uh, for being really uh, open wallet friendly. Yeah, they didn't even want to build a stadium in San Diego. They decided just to rent in L.A., yeah, they definitely, I mean, I think they would have been better off staying in San Diego. Uh, and I'm not trying to throw dirt on any L.A. Charger fans because I know there are some. But, that you know, you think of the Chargers and you think of San Diego. I mean, yeah. I still want to say San Diego Chargers. I think we've probably said it uh, about 45 times <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, year. Well, I'm sure we did. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll move on to the Saints 33, Carolina 7, Drew Brees uh, 22-32, 201, three touchdowns. Uh, 18 for 105 for Ty Montgomery. Taysom Hill, 7 for 41 and a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders, 9 for 63 and a touchdown. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, 13 for 23, 176, two interceptions. P.J. Walker, 5 of 14, 95 yards, three interceptions. Uh, Curtis Samuel, 7 for 118. Uh, Saints put it on the Carolina here. Uh, Carolina didn't close the season great. Uh Questions about quarterback? I mean, I think there has to be. Uh, don't get me wrong, and I'm a big Teddy Two Gloves supporter. I think that he did a pretty good job, all things considered. Um, now, that he did have a rookie wide receiver that was a big standout. I think a lot of that has to do with Teddy. Uh, you know, he was able to get in the ball, and I know that we saw while Teddy was out that the backup came in, he had a pretty decent game, but I, I still think that he's good enough game manager that he's going to help develop these young guys into stars. And I I still think that there has to be some question marks. If you can improve at the quarterback position or at any position for that matter, you always have to at least question that. And I know that uh, personally, if the question arises, I'm definitely questioning uh, the possibilities of upgrading certain pieces for my team. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'd waste a draft pick on it, but uh there is a, it's a pretty deep quarterback draft. Would you draft a guy or would you uh, look at this uh, free agent market? There'll probably be a handful of veterans out there. Yeah, I think it's, it's complicated. I mean, until, until I know for sure, like, you know, who's, who's committing for the draft and uh, there's just so many question marks. I think that if you're going to draft somebody, if you're going to pick up a quarterback at all, I think you do it through the draft. I think you have to, uh, develop your guys on your own. I don't think you bring in a veteran quarterback. I think that's what Teddy's there for. I think he's good enough to, you know, kind of manage the situation so that if you do bring a young guy in, he can help develop him as uh, as the guy's learning. Teddy can take the reins for that team. They do need some help on defense, uh, but they also have some very attractive pieces on offense. You know, they, they've got a really good running back and, um, like I said, they have a pretty solid uh, wide receiver corp. So uh, I think that maybe if you're going to bring somebody in, you do it through the draft uh, and you let the older veteran guy be Teddy. Uh, I, I think he's good enough. All right. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, and we'll move on probably pretty quickly on this one. Uh, 
Las Vegas Raiders 32, Denver Broncos 31. Uh, Carr 24, 38, 371, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Josh Jacobs uh, 15, 89, two touchdowns. Darren Waller 9, 117, and a touchdown. Uh, Drew Locke 25, 41, 339, two touchdowns. Gordon 26, 93, and a touchdown. Uh, Judy 5, 141, touchdown. Uh, I don't know. Uh, good, worthless game. What do you have for this one? I mean, just really quick, just so we can kind of run through these. Uh, again, I don't want to be rude, but meaningless games. Very disappointing for the Raiders. Uh, they started off doing pretty good, and they played really tough against some really tough opponents like the Chiefs. I thought we expected a lot better from them. They definitely didn't deliver, uh, but may, they're going to have to go back to the drawing board, and maybe certain pieces that they have there aren't the answer. Uh, I'm not going to say who. I'll say that for offseason show. But, yeah, uh, you know, pretty pretty bad. Pretty bad way to end the season. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll go to this next one. Uh, Jacksonville 14, Indianapolis 28. Glennon 26-42, 2-61, 2 touchdown. Derog Bugunyawa, uh, 14 for 50. Uh, Lucavia Chenault, 6-68, 2 touchdowns. Uh, Philip Rivers, 17 for 27, 164, one touchdown, one interception. I will say uh, he's looking very, very worn down. Uh, Taylor, he is not looking worn down. 32, 53, two touchdowns. Neheem Hyde, six for 50. Uh, Colts uh, got into the playoffs, got the win they needed here. I'm not loving the way they are looking, though. Yeah, they definitely seem to have taken a step down. Uh, especially as potent as that defense looked, uh, definitely has shown some holes as the season has progressed, uh, coming to its closing. I don't know. I, I, you know, I want to count them out, but the way that they played for most of the season makes me not, you know, want to quickly jump on that and and count them out right away. I think that they're solid enough. I think they've got some really good pieces, you know, with Hines and, you know, Rivers is a veteran quarterback and, that defense can play really good defense. We've seen it. Now, they haven't shown it over the last few weeks. They, they've definitely shown some some lapses here and there, but I still think that they're a team that we can't count out. Uh, I think they could beat just about anybody on any given Sunday. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the matchups uh, are going to look like. But they made the playoffs, and, you know, it's a, it's – I think it's a, it's a huge uh, boost to that franchise as a whole and the fan base, uh, especially with the departure of luck. I think that that was a surprise to a lot of people and uh, to where they're at now, I think it's, it's a huge improvement to where a lot of people thought they were going to be after the uh, luck departure. So I think overall it was a successful season. You're in the playoffs and uh, I'm not counting them out just yet. Yeah. Um, Jacksonville get the number one pick. They hung in there for a little bit, but, you know, now they get to rebuild, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with them going forward. Yeah. Uh, speaking of looking wobbly going into the playoffs, uh, Tennessee Titans, 41, Houston Texans, 38, uh, Tannehill, 18, 27, 216, and a touchdown. Henry, 34, 252 touchdowns. Uh, Tannehill had 38 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, 10, 151, and a touchdown. Deshaun Watson, uh, 28, 39, 365, three touchdowns, interception. Uh, David Johnson, 14, 84, and a touchdown. Cooks, 11 catches, 166, two touchdowns. Kiki Kuti, uh, six catches <laughs> and 90 yards. Um. <laughs> We thought the Houston was going to fight hard in this game. They did. Uh, Tennessee's defense continues to be a a very bad defense. Let's just go there. Uh, really bad defense. Uh, Derrick Henry is carrying them. Uh, how far can he carry them in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, first off, uh, congratulations to Henry, King Henry. He, uh, he reached a 2,000-yard mark for the season, which is, you know, huge. Uh, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it to you. It always seems like it's a Tennessee running back doing this. Uh, but, you know, either way, uh, successful season for them. They managed to get into the playoffs. Um, I had a little bit of fun messing with one of our colleagues. I don't know how well aware he was that his team was in the playoffs regardless. So um, I was throwing little text messages here and there as the game was going on. But uh, overall, Houston, man, they showed up. Uh, we thought they would. And uh, J.J. Watt seemed to really inspire that team to play hard. Uh, they did. 
now for Tennessee, uh, which is the big storyline, that defense, man, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem to matter who comes back. Uh, that defense still has a lot of holes and, you know, they got to be thankful for that offense, man. That offense is super explosive. They have some big weapons, a wide receiver. They obviously have, you know, uh, Derek Henry, which he's a monster, almost like a force to be reckoned with by himself. But if that offense isn't going, if they face off against a team that's got a really good defense and can shut down that offense, they're in trouble, man, because that defense is You porous. mean like Baltimore? Yeah. It's, <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's a rematch. I think it's going to be entertaining to watch. I'm definitely looking forward to this particular matchup. So uh, I'm sure that our colleague is going to be really excited and probably nervous as well. So Yeah. All right, our next game up, Seattle Seahawks 26, San Francisco 49ers 23. Uh, Russell Wilson, 20, 36, 181, two touchdowns. Carson, 11 and 44. Uh, Lockett, 12, 92 touchdowns. C.J. Beathard, 25 for 37, 273. Touchdown, Jeff Wilson Jr., 20 carries, 76 yards, a touchdown. Kendrick Bourne, uh, five catches, 76 yards. So uh, Seahawks get this last win here. Um Good season by the Seahawks. I I think if you asked, uh, people would be a little surprised that they're twelve and four. Uh, it, it took me back. I, I think I thought this was a ten or eleven win team, and I looked at their record. And I was like, you know what, <laughs> twelve and four, pretty good season. Uh, so, uh, where do you think the Seahawks sit uh, here going into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, really good season for the Seahawks. Now, I don't know if it's because our expectations for them are so high. And then what we saw, you know, actually on the field wasn't what we expected that we probably all feel like this is a 10-win team. But, yeah, like I said, they're 12-4. and four. Uh, They had a really good season. Defensively, they seem to have stepped up this, uh, you know, these last four weeks or so. They've definitely played a lot better. Uh, it seems like they've tightened up, you know, some of their uh, some of the loose ends. So that's probably a good thing going into the playoffs. Uh, you know, Wilson looks pretty hot as usual, especially going into the playoffs now. So I think overall, this team is definitely a team to be reckoned with. They're very explosive. They have uh, some, some weapons at wide receiver. I think that the biggest question mark for them is going to be whether their defense can keep up this type of play and whether their run game will show up, because I think that's probably uh, their Achilles heel is the inability to um, consistently run the ball to control clock and control the flow of the game. Um, we are having a rematch. They're facing up against a really tough defense in the Rams. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this third game plays out. But overall, really successful season for them. Uh, San Francisco came out. They were really gritty. Uh, they were leading the game early on. And uh, I didn't expect anything less from San Francisco. They definitely have shown so far this season that they're a team that's going to come out and fight regardless of who they're playing against. And uh, I think that they're going to be really excited for next season once they have all their pieces healthy and uh, ready to go again. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, San Francisco continue to play hard, uh, though they are probably quite thankful. Uh, this was essentially the season from hell from them. So uh, they're probably thankful this season is over. Uh, look for them to bounce back next year. But uh, Seahawks go in the playoffs. Uh, should be an interesting team to deal with. Uh, all right, uh, we'll get to the Green Bay Packers who uh, – once again, uh, just cruised and uh, thirteen and three to finish the year. Aaron Rodgers nineteen to twenty four, two forty four touchdowns. Aaron Jones eleven for forty two, a touchdown. Marquez Valdez Scanting two for eighty seven and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams six for forty six, a touchdown. Uh, Trubisky uh, thirty three for forty two, two fifty two interception. Montgomery twenty two sixty nine and a touchdown. Uh, Devin Mooney eleven for ninety three. David Montgomery nine for sixty three. So uh, the Bears lose, but uh, they get in the playoffs with the Cardinals losing. Uh, I guess I put the Bears maybe uh, closing the season better than the Cardinals, so they probably deserve to be in there anyway. Uh, Green Bay, I, I read a fun stat. Uh, they had more touchdown passes than punts uh, this season. So uh, I think this team might be a little better than uh, I think any of us think. Uh, I think this offense is a really uh, dangerous weapon here. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's. I don't want to be disrespectful here, but I think that their weakness all season long has been defense. But yet that offense is so potent that, it, it you don't even think about it because even in games where I thought that 
they would struggle because of their lack of defense. They seem to come out and just completely shut out the opponent. Um, you know, that Davis, that, that, I'm sorry, that Adams to uh, to Rogers to Adams connection is, is probably one of the best in the league. Um, and I don't think that they're really getting as much attention as they probably should be getting. Uh, I think they're probably one of the more dangerous teams to be to, to face off against anybody. And to me, they're probably, you know, one of the favorites in the NFC to go all the way. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I don't know who they're going to play yet, obviously, but once it's all said and done, um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see them, you know, facing off for the Lombardi trophy. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, a barn burner of a game, 18 to seven. Uh, I don't know if we knew the Chris Devler, John Walford matchup was uh, what we had in store for the uh, game of the week on the NFL side of things, but uh, that's surely what we got. Uh, I wish I could have seen those promos. Stevler, Walford, the showdown in Arizona. But- well, you did mention a few times, uh, you know, their respective colleges and uh, the matchup of the, of the week and, uh, I was confused as to who you were even talking about because uh, I was expecting a Wolford and uh, and Murray matchup, but you know it was what it was. I don't know what you thought about the game. Uh, it, it sort of broke down how, how I thought uh, this Rams defense stepped up and uh, made the plays they needed to. Uh, I wouldn't call Wofford great. Uh, they got him out of the pocket. He got some runs for some key first downs. Uh, I don't think uh, anyone's going to be gloating about uh, his precise throwing, but um, he did enough. He only had the one really uh, bad pick to start the game, and then, uh, well, uh, they weren't calling a lot of slants over the middle <laughs> after that. They, I don't think they had him reading uh, where linebackers were going to be after that. Uh, so uh, I, I thought the Rams defense did what it was supposed to, stepped up, got him in the playoffs. I don't know what I think they can do in the playoffs. Certainly, uh, if golf, uh, is not back, I, I know there are a bunch of weirdos on ESPN and other, uh, sports networks, uh, trying to pretend like John Walford should be the full-time quarterback, but, uh, uh, say what you want about golf. Uh, if John Walford's your full-time quarterback, you aren't winning playoff games. Uh, golf, uh, we've seen him win playoff games. So uh, I, I think, uh, if golf is able to get back and is actually healthy, I say actually healthy, not just he's able to get on the field. I give the Rams a, a little bit uh, just based on the defense, but uh, if it's Walford next week, uh, I don't see them going into Seattle and winning a football game. Uh, I agree with you. I think that if it's Walford going next week, I think that Pete Carroll's going to uh, game plan to have that defense swallow this guy up. Now, I will say this. He, he did – Impressed me a little bit. Uh, I think he made some really good throws. There were some situations where, you know, he uh, he went through all his reads and, uh, you know, he if he had to check it down or get rid of the ball or even, you know, just kind of tuck it and run, um, I think that he did a pretty good job, all things considered. Now, I don't understand uh, the comparison when people said, well, Brett Favre also threw an interception in his first pass. Listen, I'm a Rams fan, okay? And I'm telling you right now, He's no Brett Favre. And as much as I've disliked Goff's play this season and as much as I'm over, you know, his decision-making and his lack of leadership, he is still a lot better than Wolford is, and he gives us the best shot at winning. So hopefully he's healthy. Uh, and it's no disrespect to Wolford. You know, he's he did a solid job, and he came out and he took care of business. He did what he was supposed to do. But if he plays, there's no way he makes it to the next round healthy. Uh, the, the guy, even when he's running out there, he's putting his helmet down. He took about four or five shots to the head, which was surprising to me that he was even in the game that long, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think this game was won by that defense. That defense made some big plays. Well, that was the and other he, thing. Uh, the defense scored uh, nine of its 18 points. I, I think people are uh, sort of forgetting that, that uh, this was essentially a 9-7 game. Um, so... <laughs> You know, the offense, and Murray was out. Yeah, and Murray was out. So it it wasn't like he lit up the scoreboard or anything. Uh, he did enough and didn't make uh, any killing mistakes. His only bad mistake was early on in the game. They were able to overcome it. But uh, I think what, he proved what, he's, he could be a backup quarterback in this league. 
Exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say is that to me, what he proved is that he has the capability of being a good backup quarterback for the Rams. Uh, hopefully they get to keep him because he definitely adds a different element to, to that team. But I still think that as of right now, if you're not aiming for golf to play, then you're probably in trouble going forward. And this is coming from a Rams fan. Yeah. Uh, I doubt Henderson makes it back. Uh, we'll see about cup. Uh, Akers did not look, uh, very healthy. Um, I, I think they'll definitely have a tough time in Seattle if they don't get some health and, uh, some, uh, positive, not, uh, I shouldn't say positive COVID test, non-positive COVID test. Now there is a possibility that we do get uh, big Andrew back next week. So yes. I for- think he will be back. So th- I think that helps the running game a little bit. I think it kind of solidifies that offensive line a little bit more. Uh, adds a little bit more protection to the quarterback. So if Goff does return next week, which honestly, I, I think he will. I-, I have a pretty good feeling about it. I think that it being a playoff game, I think they're going to try and you know push him back. How advisable that is, I-, I can't give you an answer to that. But I think that, you know, again, now with the back really uh, – really helps out that offensive line and adds a little more protection so that you feel a little bit more comfortable putting golf out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, this last game was uh, pretty much a fitting in to the NFC East. I think it uh, pretty much summed up uh, what the whole division was, which was uh, pretty much garbage. Uh, Washington came away with the win. Uh, Alex Smith, uh, Somehow fought his way uh, and got this team uh, 20 points, um, 22 for 32, 162, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Gibson, 19 for 75. Uh, McLaurin, 7 for 40 and a touchdown. The Eagles, uh, Jalen Hurts, 7 to 20, 72 and a pick. Nate Sudfeld, 5 of 12, 32 and a pick. Boston Scott, 15 for 65. Hertz, 8 for 34 and two touchdowns. Uh, Asega Whiteside, uh, 2 for 40. Uh, fitting in for the Eagles, they uh, pretty much played like garbage all year long. Looked like garbage in this game. Uh, Washington didn't exactly look great, but uh, the defense made some plays. Uh, the offense found some points, and uh, they go to the playoffs with a home playoff game. Yeah, I, to me, this game was a tell of two halves. I think that that first half was, uh, you know, dare I say, entertaining. Um, you know, Philadelphia looked okay. Washington looked okay. I, You know, Alex Smith, I think, uh, to me, I think he's probably comeback player of the year, uh, in my opinion, at least. Uh, he's definitely shown a lot of grit and a lot of heart to get back out there, especially after those uh, those injuries he had and even those setbacks he had this season. Uh, to come out and play the way he did, I thought was uh, – probably the biggest story for me at least, but Washington was definitely the, uh, the better team in that division uh, throughout the season. Um, they started off the season pretty good with that defense and it, they kind of fell off a little bit, but they finished strong at least for the NFC East and now they're going to the playoffs. So, um, you know, congratulations to them for making it, but ultimately uh, I think that they're probably one of those teams that won't make it very far, but um it's still an accomplishment in itself to make it back to the playoffs. So, you know, there's something to be said about that. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our. You had one hell of a best game. Of the week. All right. So what do you got on the offensive side of things for best of the week? Oh man. I was, I was really, I was really torn when I was going up and down these days because it's week 17. Yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> you have you to know, sort it, through all the fake numbers. Yeah, exactly. So honestly, I figured that I'd just go off the top of my head and go with guys that really kind of just, you know, pop up as I'm trying to think right now. Uh, so I'm going with uh, Derrick Henry, you know, breaking 2,000 yards for the season. I think it's a huge accomplishment. He helped his team, uh, you know, get that victory, which they really need. Well, they didn't really need, but it definitely looks good on paper. So uh, Derrick Henry for me is my offensive player of the week uh, for the 2,000 yards. Yeah, I went the same. Uh, more of a, probably a culmination of uh, – Offensive player of the year. Uh, 2,000 yards, very impressive. Uh, had a big day. Uh, granted, it was versus a Houston defense who uh, I think uh, they could have probably put some shoulder pads on you and you probably could have found a way to run for 100 yards in that game. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Derek Henry, uh, my offensive player of the week. Where are you going on the defensive side of the things? Uh, for defense, I'm going with my team, the LA Rams. Uh, I think that... 
they won that game. Uh, they came out and they knew they were going to have to play really well. Uh, I don't want to say that they purposely hurt Murray, but that definitely helped uh, their their cause. So uh, they came out, they're really aggressive. Um, they probably really happy that Murray went out because uh, they had a gimme uh, interception that they took uh, and returned it pretty much all the way for a touchdown. So uh, I think that they deserve a little bit of praise in a game where it wasn't necessarily completely on them, but winning definitely locked their playoff spot. So uh, that defense took care of business and the Rams are my defensive team of the week. Yeah. I'm going with the uh, Washington football team. Uh, defensive line uh, played another really great game. And uh, really they are the star of uh, this wa- Washington football team success. Uh, they're just a, a devastating unit. So uh, Washington football team for me, where are you going coach this week? Uh, for my coach of the week, I am going with Andy Reid. I know that we've probably mentioned him once or twice this season, uh, if that, but I think that he deserves uh, a little more credit. He put together a really good season, uh, you know, didn't win by a lot of blowouts, but they did enough to win games. They definitely seemed like they were kind of, you know, half awake, half asleep all season long. But now the playoffs are here. I'm pretty sure he's going to get his team ready. Uh, just the same way that he got all his backups ready to face off against uh, a divisional opponent and still played a pretty good game. Yeah, I'm going back to Washington, and I'm going Ron Rivera. Uh, To get this team into the playoffs with all it's been through, with all he's been through this year, uh, it's it's not been pretty. That team isn't uh, pretty to watch necessarily. But uh, you can only play what's on your schedule, and you can only – win your division for what it is. So uh, seven wins, gets them into the playoffs, gets them a home game. Uh, I I thought Ron did a great job of uh, sort of manipulating this season uh, to get this team in the playoffs. So uh, Ron Rivera is my uh, best coach of the week. All right, let's hit up. Terrible, just terrible. Our worst of the week. Where are you going on the offensive side of things? Yeah, this is tough because I'm trying to sit here and think about who had a bad week. I probably have to go with Sam Darnold and the Jets. I know that, you know, they gain nothing from losing. They lose nothing from losing. But ultimately, you're going up against a a divisional opponent, a divisional rival, dare I say, that hasn't looked good all season long, and you made him look like his career is being reborn again. Um, Offensively, Darnold didn't do a lot to win that game, and I – Second time this season, I took the Jets, and he cost me. So Sam Donald is my uh, worst of the week for offense. Well, uh, it's probably wrong to pick on him. Uh, he's barely a backup quarterback in this league, and he had a very bad matchup versus a team that was highly motivated to win the game. But uh, Brandon Allen uh, was uh, just dreadful. Six for 20 and two picks. Um, uh, you just was really bad. So, uh Sadly, uh, Brandon Allen, uh, my worst of the offensive side of things. Where are you going defensively this week? Uh, for worst defensively of the week, I'm going with oh, – I got to go off the top of my head. I'm going to have to go with Cincinnati. Uh, I know that they face off against a joker not in the Ravens, but, you know, to not even somewhat slow them down. I mean, that game was over early, and you could have made some noise, made something happen at the end. Um, they just didn't show up at all. And I know, like I said, they're going up against a really good team with Lamar Jackson at quarterback, but it's still no excuse. You got to at least try and show up. So uh, I could have gone with Tennessee for giving up all those points to Houston. I could have gone with, uh, you know, the 49ers for letting the Seahawks back into that game. There's so many teams I could have gone with, but uh, Cincinnati really stands out to me. So I'm going with Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, I'm going the Dolphins. Uh Really good season, but uh, the Bills really had nothing to play for, and uh, mostly were just trying to protect themselves. If you watch Stefan Diggs, he's literally sliding uh, after he takes two steps after he catches the ball. So uh, they got torched today. They needed that defense to step up, and it couldn't step up. So uh, the Dolphins D let them down a little bit today um, versus Buffalo. But uh, So the Dolphins defense is where I'm going on the defensive side of things. Where are you going coach-wise on worst of your week? Now, coach-wise, I'm going to go with the trio. And I'm going to go with the trio that got fired uh, simply because they got fired. You know, there's a reason why you guys don't have a job anymore. And uh, it's very unfortunate that you have to go out and look for another job. But I'm sure someone will pick you up and pay you millions of dollars to keep doing what you always do. So uh, the three coaches that got fired, you're my worst of the week. Well, my worst of the week. I'm going to continue to pick on Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians. Uh, 
basically disgusting. Uh, racking up all your fancy yards. Uh, pretty much these last four games, I I guarantee you two thirds of all their touchdowns and yardage numbers are these last four games of the season. So, uh, you know, people might buy it when they look at the stats in the summer. Uh, my memory will not because I watched these games and, uh, all your numbers are pretty much fake and, uh, ballooned because you decided to run up scores, uh, great work. Uh, that's what college teams do. So, uh, dynamite to you, uh, and enjoy your early exit from the playoffs and, uh, your cool numbers, uh, at the summer year when you can negotiate contracts. So, uh, Bruce Arians, my, uh, worst coach of the week. Ouch, that burns, man. You really handed it to him. Uh, I take it you're not a big Tampa Bay fan for the playoffs. No, I'm not a big Tampa Bay fan. I don't know if I could pull the trigger on Washington beating them. Uh, They do have the defensive line that can bother uh, 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 old Tom. Uh, The weather might be bad. So uh, that could be worth something. But um, I don't know if that offense will be able to score on that Tampa Bay defense which is really the reason they win games, uh, just in case anybody hasn't watched them play. Uh, yeah, you definitely took a coach that won a game as the worst coach of the week. So <laughs> yes, I that's know. awesome. All right, uh, that's our show for the week. Uh, be sure to follow us on greenlightnetwork.org. You can get all our podcasts. Uh, we're going to try to get uh, Achilles Rain in here uh, again on, uh, I believe, Thursday to do our pick show. It might be Friday. We haven't totally decided yet. Uh, I might also get him in here to do a know-it-all podcast uh, to go over the NBA uh, last couple uh, weeks. Uh, so uh, be sure to look out for that. Uh, where can we find you, Achilles? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles. You can find me on YouTube at That Dude Achilles. You can also follow me on Facebook as Achilles Rain. Uh, also, don't forget to follow us on our YouTube channel, which is Greenlight Network. That's right. All right. That's our show. You can find me, GLN Champ 5, on Twitter and Instagram. That's our show. And we're out. <laughs>